listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog. Uh, joining me today for a very special episode, it's Eric Miller of the Pods and Sods Network. Eric, how you doing? Doing well, Alex. Thanks for having me on. How you doing? It's great to have you here. Uh, we're going to celebrate the life after the uh, unfortunate, unexpected passing of Robbie Steinhardt of Kansas. I'm calling this episode Memories Out of Nowhere because we're kind of just sharing our memories of this band and what they meant to us, and especially Robbie's role in that band. So it's, I feel like it's going to be a very special episode. We're going to crib from the Pods and Sods six-pack format. We've got some songs. It's very, loo- it's very loose. We're going to touch on some things. So you ready to talk some Kansas, Eric? Absolutely. Always. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thanks for doing this. Yeah. I felt like it was important uh, to do this. I, when it hit, I wasn't sure like what to do exactly. But then you messaged me and I was like, well, we could totally do our own six pack on my show and just do it between us, make it the kind of like unofficial sequel to your own six pack you did. But we're, mm-hmm. it's more of a six pack of Robbie Steinhardt in a way we kind of, at least I tried to, and I think you did too, frame the songs that really either he stood out on them or they were kind of like his, you know, his children in a way, his like show pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. And I, I tried to, you know, obviously we each have three and I tried to frame them exactly as you said. Right. So, you know, there's, there's some obvious ones and, you know, maybe let's just get it out of the way is dust in the wind. Right. I didn't, I didn't want to pick that one. Right. Like, cause I'm a, you know, I mean, that's iconic. No one played something like that solo anywhere else. Right. That is, that is timeless. he composed that or if Carrie Livering composed that or whatever but you know I wanted to uh, avoid that but also mention that right um so I was picking you know songs that like you said he you know he his his melody on the violin was so distinct and unforgettable right but he was also you know a tremendous tremendous vocalist so I picked you know songs that he sang lead on or shared lead and we can get into all that stuff but you know he certainly played a huge huge role in Kansas um you know kind of an unsung hero in a way Kansas is one of those bands and sorry if I'm getting a, getting a little bit rambly here but no bring it on bring it on there there kind of isn't really like a you know like the face of Queen is Freddie right and you know bands have the face of right Kansas didn't necessarily have that right you know if you're a fan you kind of know Carrie you know you know there's there's a violin guy but you know there's the other guy that's you know the young cute guy that's the singer right um <laughs> But, you know, I don't know that they necessarily had the face of Kansas per se, right? Um, and the lineup changes and stuff didn't help that necessarily. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, Robbie for, you know, Steve Walsh had, 
you know, he's not a big fan of doing interviews, not a big fan of being out in front, being the front man. If you watch him in the nineties, like he's, he wasn't comfortable with it. Right. It wasn't his natural state. Yeah, and if you yeah. watch him in the, in the late nineties and whatever, like he would, you know, he would come out and sing his lead and then he would run back and, you know, hide behind his keyboard and get back to, you know, what, where he felt more comfortable. Right. I'm saying hide probably a little pointedly, but you know, so Robbie Steinhardt in those early days, he was front and center. So he was kind of like the front man de facto. Right. Yeah. Um, and a, and a co-lead singer. So, you know, if there, if there was a front man of Kansas in their heyday, it's probably Robbie. Absolutely. I think even there was a quote that was going around that Kerry Livgren said in some Rolling Stone interview where he basically called Robbie like the link between like mm-hmm. Kansas, the band and the audience. Cause he was, he was mm-hmm. the MC, he was the front man. So yeah. I, I, ver- I very much agree with that statement. Uh, it's, I, I noticed that too. Like we, I was watching the uh, device drum voice concert and that's where Robbie had rejoined the band. And Steve, for the most part, just kind of stays back by his keys. Whereas mm-hmm. Robbie's kind of a little more out front. He's twirling around with the violin. Oh, yeah. Definitely was kind of like a visual point for that band, I think. Yeah, definitely. And plus his look, you know what I mean? Just that look with the right? huge hair and the violin. And he was, you know, not a petite man. He's playing this, you know, delicate instrument you know um but he also had this vocal that you know he could growl with oh my goodness just just an interesting um you know character in a lot of ways you know and his contributions to kansas cannot be overstated at all he was kind of like their secret weapon like as much as i love like one of my favorite kansas albums is in the spirit of things but i do think it lacks something that album you know without the violin it's just it kind of loses that special thing that makes it kansas in a way so i think he was the secret sauce to that band yeah yeah and the fun you know fun thing about you know they did the power record and spirit of things and it's maybe a slight detour but that was that was how ragsdale got his gig he basically you know took some of those songs added violin and got them into the hands of philly Hart and said this is my imagining of what a violin would sound like on those two mca records right oh that'd be cool yeah, so that, so, you know, I had him on pods and sides at one point, and I asked him if he still had those tapes, if I can get them or whatever. I, I never, I don't think those ever will see the light of day, but, you know, so he joined right after in Spirit of Thing, Ragsdale did. Um, and then Robbie came back, like you said, kind of in the late 90s for, you know, maybe five years or so. Yeah, man, I would love to hear one of my, uh, this is my quick sidebar. One of my favorite songs is Rainmaker. I would love mm-hmm. in that like key solo section, like the rain section, as I call it, where the guitar and the keyboard are like kind of harmonizing. Imagine a violin on top of that. That would be oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. With the horses, yeah, with the, yeah, that whole middle section. That would be great. Yeah, we'll, we'll get more into that in the set list episode that's coming up. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah. You should, let's let's say that. So we were actually just talking about doing one of your episodes, one of your set list episodes about Kansas like a week ago. And then we got the news, that, you know, that Robbie passed away. So, yeah, it was it was very unfortunate. It kind of it, it felt strange that I was gearing up to do this podcast and that and that would happen. But it, it's also good timing. It's a good timing to, uh, you know, pay tribute to this band that, you know, means so much to a lot of people and you know, after watching Miracles Out of Nowhere last night, were huge in their own in their own way in the in the 70s. Yeah. And I feel like they're not, I don't know, they're not quite as talked about as some bands of that era, like a Styx or an REO gets talked about. Like they're like they're in the conversation with Carry On My Wayward Son and uh Dust of the Wind, but I think people forget how big they were. Yeah. Interesting thing about them too is, and I'm a lifelong Kansas fan. I probably have seen them maybe 
40 times, not exaggerating, right? So in all formations, in all eras, my first concert ever was Audiovisions tour, right? At Spectrum in Philly. Nice. Uh, original lineup, right? Um, including there's a there's a moment in a song from uh, Monolith, uh, The Other Side maybe, where mm. Robbie would clang an anvil. They literally took an anvil out on tour. And it's that thing where it hits on the offbeat. And he would stand out there and it'd be a single spotlight Robbie with a, just a, you know, a Mjolnir, like a Thor hammer, just hitting... <laughs> hitting an anvil, right? There's like four beats in the song, but they took where he does this, right? But they took this anvil out on tour just so he could do those four beats in the show, right? So that was my first concert. Uh, But, you know, to your point of they don't get talked about as much. They, interestingly, like they, they, nowadays they play, you know, small arenas, big theaters. Last time I saw them was at the Beacon in New York, right? you know, same size theaters that some of these other bands have to double and triple up on to play, right? Aria, Speedwagon, and Sticks. you know, um, they might be able to do it individually, but a lot of those are in package tours, whereas Kansas with Ronnie Platt kind of has seen an uptick in business, which is, you know, a whole other subject, but... Yeah, they've been doing, it seems like these evening with shows where like that's the acoustic set, the first electric set, and then like an album, whether it's Point of No Return or Left Overture, that kind of seems yeah. to be what they were doing. And I was hoping actually to see a show like that um, last year, but uh, the virus kind of <laughs> ruined that. Yeah. So yeah, it hasn't been rescheduled. So I'm hoping something new gets put on the books for San Diego. Yeah. Sorry for the detour. We should get back to Robbie. I, you know, I, yeah. I'm just excited to talk to you about Kansas. <laughs> Me too, man. I've been, I've been looking forward to this. Like I've wanted to do an episode about Kansas since I kind of got into them last year and I'll, I'll talk more about my deep dive into them, but like you were kind of like very helpful when I started getting into them, recommending me songs and albums to check out. So I've, I really appreciated that. Cool. So let's do a quick little biography of uh, Robert Eugene Steinhardt, born May 25th, 1950 uh, in Chicago, Illinois. He was adopted. Uh, he grew up in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, his adopted father was the director of music at the University of Kansas. That's how he started playing violin. And he was uh, first chair, like, all throughout his like school years in his like school bands like he was a very good violinist and eventually kind of parlayed that into joining a rock band although he jokes that caused him to develop poor playing habits like holding the violin too close to his head because he wanted to hear it better over the guitar amps uh he was in white clover and then he joined the first lineup of kansas when that was assembled by i think phil ehart if i'm remembering correctly Mm -hmm. Yeah, White Clover was was an earlier iteration of Kansas, so I think that had Phil and maybe Steve. I don't know the exact lineup, but that was that was them. That was like the that was, if you will, that was the wicked Lester to kiss, right? That was them getting together a little bit, right? Until they took the name Kansas proper. Yep. Uh, but I will say one thing that I do know, and thank you for sharing that biography stuff. I don't know a ton about that, to be completely honest, but I know he was from Lawrence, Kansas, whereas the rest of the guys were from Topeka, right? So you know, I think Phil. If I understand my history correctly, Phil was kind of looking for to form a supergroup where he, you know, I want this guy and I want that guy, right? And Robbie was one of those guys that he wanted just from on the scene. Right. Yeah. He kind of built his perfect band from like the Kansas music scene, which is really cool. Amazing. Yeah. I think the other guy, there's one other guy in the band not from uh, Topeka. I think that was Steve Walsh. Mm, okay. If I remember correctly, but I've only watched Miracles Out of Nowhere once. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to be relying on you for some Kansas knowledge, but that's a little uh, biographical spiel. I do know real quick, he was also getting ready. I, I've been hearing about this for some time. He was getting, he had a solo record done. He was getting ready to go out and play shows with a solo band. 
And unfortunately, uh, earlier uh, last week, actually on Saturday, he passed due to complications from pancreatitis, which is at 71, which is very sad, but he leaves behind a really unique mark in this band's history. Like he's responsible, I think, for what one of the part of a big part of what made Kansas Kansas in my mind. And you just, you see the outpouring of love from the fans. He just seemed like such a down to earth guy from some of these stories I'm reading in the Kansas Facebook group. So it is a big loss for sure. And he even like came back a few times with this current lineup, you know, just, just showed up at the show and like came on stage and would sing Sparks of the Tempest with the band, which I thought was cool. That's great. Yeah, Kansas has always been good about that, having the lineage and having the guys back. Carrie's rejoined them several times. Steve Morris has come back, you know, I mean, just for one-off gigs or special events or if they're in the town kind of thing, Dave Hope has come back, right? Uh, obviously, they did, the, they did that reunion record somewhere elsewhere, right? So they, you know, there doesn't seem to be any bad blood per se that those guys would come back and, you know, Robbie included. Yeah, it's, it's, that was the very much the vibe I got last night watching Miracles Out of Nowhere. Like, there's still a lot of love. Yeah. in this band so which which is cool to see you don't always see that so yeah that's nice so in the spirit of the six pack the robbie starnhart six pack uh you are the guest eric what's your first pick you know i'm gonna going back and forth as to why i'm picking these the first one i want to pick is a is a staple of kansas sets it's down the road um nice. the reason i picked that is um you know his vocal like I said at the top, like he would play, he plays this delicate, you know, think of that solo in Dust in the Wind, right? And there's stuff like that all over, you know, those records. But, you know, he also would sing just these badass rock songs, right? And, you know, be fierce in the front of the stage. And again, with just that visage of him with the hair. And, you know, I almost wanted to pick like Death of Mother Nature Sweet, where he screams. It's just ungodly scream, right? But, it's you know, incredible. Oh, man. And Bringing It Back was another one I thought he sang lead on that. Right. But, you know, Down the Road is a song that they, you know, they tend to close with a lot or they have through a lot of years. That seems to be one that always comes back into their set. Right. And, you know, there's there's a million versions of it that I go with. The record obviously would be one, but I want to play the one from two for two for the show. Right. Their double live album. Um, and it's because of, you know, the performance his his vocal performance. It's just just incredible just a you know like you said unsung good word right Uns just an unsung rock star you know out the front again people think of you know the casual fan might think of karen wayward son and dust in the wind and pointing over turn with that steve walsh purity kind of vocal but you know robbie had that growl like he had that like he was just fucking just tearing the song apart you know what i mean and down the road you know Plus the, the lyrics are just funny about it when I got 20 bucks and, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, it's so great. It's so great. It's just a badass song. Yeah. I, I dig it too. This is a good choice. And I was glad you picked it because it was on the short list of stuff I wanted to pick too. You're right. He's got more of like a gruff. I'd say he's got a bluesy voice. Honestly, it's very, very harsh when it wants, when he wants to be And that and on that mm -hmm. song. It's that song to me is like, very unique in the Kansas catalog because it, it, it's proggy in a way, but it really reminds me of like when like those 70s bands like the Marshall Tucker band or Charlie Daniels band would like take a song out and just extend it and jam with it. And oh, yeah. everybody's like taking a solo and like kind of bouncing back and forth. And on, on the live version or the studio version, they kind of do that really well. And that song is perfect for it. Like, and also is playing like he is just shredding his bow on that song. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's and the energy, you know, um, you know, and he doesn't only have the growly voice and we'll hit this later, but you know, yeah, he, he would 
the harmonies that they could sing, like Steve and Robbie, like on the records, but also live. I'll, I'll highlight on one of my other picks, but you know, you're absolutely right. Just a versatile singer. Absolutely. Not, not the same range as Steve Walsh, but he had a, he knew what to do with his voice. He could take yeah. his voice and do things with it that were really exciting. And that's one of the most important things I think you can do as a singer. So. Yeah. Almost analogous to like Brian May on his own as a good singer, but he could also bolster Freddie in such a good and unique way. Right. It was almost that similar thing, right. Where they, they knew how to use their voices together, but Steve, like you said, had the bigger range. And Exactly. He could compliment and he could stand on his own. He's very, yeah. He's one of the perfect backup singers. So yeah. give us a little introduction for this one, Eric. So from two for the show, here is uh, the great Robbie Steinhardt fronting the great Kansas with Down the Road. But I'm going to say the kind of freaks that hang out down on 42nd Street. They're all pippin' cuties and I'm hoppin' speed. Well, it's a game of cat and mouse and I think it's got my soul. I think it's time for thinking about time to roll on down the road.
awesome. Great pick, man. So Thanks. we'll move into, uh, I, 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 I forgot to have you do your origin story. Uh, so yeah. I'll have you do your origin story before the next song, but I'll do, okay. I'll do, I'll do mine real quick. So my, the first memory I have of Kansas is hearing dust in the wind on the radio and carry on my wayward son as a kid, classic rock radio loved to play those songs where I grew up. So that was kind of what I knew of Kansas, but I never really dove into them. They were not one of the bands like in my dad's tape collection. So I never really like jumped into their music that hard until I'd say like, I tried first in 2015. I was like, well, they're a classic rock band. I like stuff from that era. Let me give it a try. And I got left overture and I just wasn't getting it just yet. So I put the record away for a while. And then in 2019, I started to get more into prog music, like Yes and Jethro Tull. So I was like, I should give that Kansas album a try again. And I did. And it really, it's, it clicked with me that time. I finally got it. So right as we're going into lockdown, I was like, well, I need to kill time somehow. So I got like a, all these Kansas albums. I posted a picture of it to Facebook at the time. I remember you commenting on it. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I'm going in. So that I did a real, really big Kansas deep dive last year, not just on the, the uh, original studio albums, but the solo records and protocol, all that stuff. I, I was, I was mm-hmm. really, I was in deep. And one thing that always stuck out to me, of course, was Robbie Steinhardt's playing. And I didn't know also that he sang until I started listening to some of the album cuts like Down the Road, uh, because I don't know, and I could be wrong, but uh, there's not really a single, I think, where he gets he gets to like shine as a vocalist. I could be wrong. Yeah, I, could, yeah, I, I never thought about that, but I think you're right. Um, I think you might, I think you might be right. Maybe can I tell you, you know, he's, can I tell you kind of has a lead vocal, a co-lead vocal. And I think he, that was a single, that was their first hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the ones that people know definitely, but yeah, I don't, you know, the later records, Monolith and stuff, people of the South went on the other side. Yeah, yeah. I don't, um, Audio Visions would have been Hold On and I think maybe Relentless might've been a single off of that. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so that's a, so it was really cool to see that there's this other singer in Kansas. And I kind of picked up on it. The first song I really picked up on it was my first pick uh, that he was singing lead. And that's uh, Sparks of the Tempest from Point of mm-hmm. No Return. Mm-hmm. Like it, when I, it clicked with me listening to that song, like, okay, this isn't Steve singing. Like this guy, whoever is singing, this has a different timber to his voice a little bit, a little rougher timber the way he's going at it. I mean, Steve sings on the chorus, but I, I could tell that the guy singing the verses was someone else. And I realized, oh, that's Robbie Steinhardt. And I love his delivery of that song. It's so like, it's almost angry. It's, it's like realizing how fucked up the world is and just being pissed and just kind of spewing venom over this rock song. And I love it. I love his delivery. Uh, there's not much violin in this one. Uh, right until the end, he kind of throws in a little bit and it's a nice little touch at the end. It almost kind of reminds me of People of the South when it's like a prequel in a way, the way he's playing on there. So yeah, I love this song. It's a, one of my favorite Kansas songs. It's, going to be in the set list episode as well spoiler alert but what do you think of sparks of the tempest oh incredible you know point of no return is an album that they're they're all firing on all cylinders right and he has a couple you know uh lightning's hand is another one right that's his god of thunder if you will right um, i command the lightning's right. hand you know and I, I think there's a story floating around where they tried to do some sort of electrified stage effect or whatever for that song <laughs> some lightning effect and i don't think it ever came together or whatever but uh yeah i mean this is a great song i mean the drumming by philly art is incredible and we're not here to talk about that but yeah. you know uh, the the thing if i'm thinking 
it's it's hard to conjure maybe this is this one where steve does that say is saying tell you no lies is that okay the contrast between the voices was always a thing that was just so unique and incredible right because you know like you said they have different timbers and you know you can speak to that far more intelligently than i can but you know just the contrast of you know, Robbie singing those, you know, the first half of the voice is the majority, right? But then Steve singing that, you know, in the clouds, like pre-chorus stuff, it's just, it takes it up a notch, right? And you couldn't have one without the other. It's, it's the dyna- dy- dynamism between the two, right? Um, that makes it so, just so unforgettable, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm, boy, I'm glad that you're a fan, you know, and again, I just gushing all over you to talk to me about Kansas. So, you know, yeah. uh, great pick, great song. You know, and just just incredible. You know, thank you. Yeah, I love talking about music with you, man. It's always awesome. Uh, one thing I gotta say, so I've had two for the show sitting on my shelf for a while. I don't know why it took me so long to get to it, but I pulled it out this week because people talk about that record a lot, and you picked that version of Down the Road. So I was listening to it for the first time yesterday. I love at the beginning of Sparks of the Tempest. They put some kind of effect on Robbie's <laughs> microphone, and he's doing this like demon laugh thing like (laughs) sounds like a madman i was like that's so cool (laughs) that's great yeah Yeah, great great pick man awesome so from point of no return this is the sparks of the tempest
All right. Anyway. That was Sparks of the Tempest. So, Eric, I apologize for not letting you get your origin story in earlier. Why don't you talk about how you got into Kansas a bit? Uh, well, I I didn't have a choice. Uh, my dad was is a super Kansas fan, so I grew up. You know, this was the music that was in my house as a kid, and and you know, I'm sure wherever my dad is right now, he's probably listening to Kansas still um, at the moment. Uh, I did a six pack of my uh, pods and sods with my dad and my brother, which was really sweet. Um, Cause you know, and I, you know, I go in, go into a little bit more with them, you know, basically talking, you know, first person with them about, you know, him indoctrinating us to Kansas. And it wasn't until like I got a little bit older when I started to discover my own music and so forth. Right. And for, for a bunch of years, I kind of pushed away Kansas. Right. Um, but then I, when I got back into it, you know, I remembered every note, every song, right. Because it was, it was in my DNA as a kid. And like I said, I, you know, it was my first concert. And then when I got back into them, which would have been, you know, maybe just out of high school or something, right? Like I just took a few years off as a teenager to go find myself. Right. Um, but then, you know, I, the most recent time I saw them was still with my dad, with my dad and my brother and my brother's kids. Right. So it was like three generations of Kansas fans going as that was at the beacon. And I've seen it with my brother and my niece and nephew and, you know, my dad and, you know, my ex-wife and my other ex-wife and my girlfriend. And, you know, I've seen Kansas in, in every iteration and every formation over the last, whatever, 30, 40 years, 40 years, Jesus, yeah, 40 years. Um, so, uh, yeah, with, you know, Ragsdale. And then when Robbie came back, I saw him with an orchestra. Uh, and I like, you know, I like all, I like all versions of them. Like there's, you know, I listen to every record. I like Freaks of, Na Freaks of Nature just as much as I, you know, maybe like Point of No Return or Left Overture or whatever, right? I, they're just different to me, you know, and I get, I get different things out of them, right? And I, you know, I appreciate them at a point in time and so forth, right? So, um, you know, Robbie's the first one of the Kansas family, you know, to leave us, right? So this yeah. is a, this is a big hit, you know, and, you know, he had, um, I think quintuple bypass surgery a few oh, years wow. ago, right? So he did have, he had a health scare. I know Carrie had some health scares in recent years and stuff as well. Um, you know, and none of us are immortal, right? Um, it's just, you know, it just hit home, right? And I, you know, my dad had sent me a message on an email about something else unrelated, right? And, uh, you know, I didn't want to say, hey, did you hear that Robbie Steiner passed away? Because I knew for him, it was going to be a, a big hit, right? Um, it's his yeah. favorite band. He, you know, he, he had pictures of Robbie printed out and, you know, I used to tease him that he was gay for Robbie and stuff like that. Right? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I didn't want to be the one to tell him, you know, so especially via an email or whatever. So I said, hey, did you hear the news from the Kansas world today? And he replied back like, no, I hope it's good, LOL, right? <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then he found out and he sent me a, a note of, you know, it's a big loss, right? Kansas fans, you see it in the groups, right? He, yeah. He was a beloved uh, figure, you know, he was larger than life, but he was also, you know, uh, humble and, you know, um, you know, modest and, and just a sweet guy. If you, you know, there's not a ton of interviews with him. I tried to get him for a long form interview. I was trying to get all the guys in Kansas um, and I just could never, I could never make it happen with him um, for some reason or another, but he was one of the guys that I really, really wanted. Right. And I'm sure if you, I'm sure he would have been a generous interview, right? And I would have, you know, I it's one I wish I had gotten, right? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, just just a lifetime of cans. And I'll sh I'll share one other thing that's a little bit funny. So, and I'll kind of lead into my second song with this. Um, 
I remember this is way before your time, Alex. Us old timers <laughs> used to have we used to have tape recorders, right? Mm-hmm. Where you would have to hit play and record at the same time in order to record, right? Um, and it was like a flat tape deck, right? Where you put the cassette in, push it down, and you'd have to hit play and record in order for it to record. And I remember I made a cassette of the Mask album for my dad's. Like, you know, my dad was playing Mask. I was too young to touch the record player yet, but I had my tape recorder and I was trusted enough to hit play and record, right? Um, <laughs> the needle so i remember sitting in front of his stereo with my tape recorder and hitting play and record and recording mask onto a cassette right and then that was my copy of mask right so i could then listen to it on my tape recorder right go into my room and hit play and i could listen to mask i didn't have to wait for my dad to play it or whatever right um so that was the first album probably that i really got into like song by song rather than just the general sound of kansas that would be in the house right that was the first one that i you know, started to identify each song, right? And I probably was, you know, what is that record? 76? So yeah, I would 76. Been, so I would have been five, but I I probably was like seven or eight, you know what I mean? Six or seven or eight or something like that when this was happening. Um, but, you know, those songs, you know, again, I just connected to them at such a young age, right? So that's one of my go-to records from them. And again, focusing on Robbie not only as a singer, but as a violinist, I'm going with Born on Wings of Steel Icarus, right? And it's because of that, that melody, you know, that opening, like the lead lines he's playing in Icarus, the violin, like nothing sounded like that. You know, I didn't know that as a kid, like that's what I started to identify as music, right? So um, that, that song in particular, and again, it's another Kansas staple, right? And it's probably one of the reasons why, but he doesn't sing lead on it, but that lead violin, just incredible. Absolutely. A great showpiece for, for him, his playing as well. He might sing the harmonies a bit, but yeah, yeah. That, that song is Steve's vocal all the way. I do love it. One of my favorite parts in the song is after that first chorus where it goes, I, I, I believe it, the hierarchy was like this for like keys versus organ at the time. It was Carrie on keys and Steve on organ. So Robbie's playing the same thing as the keyboard is. And then he shifts, he plays, he plays on his own for a little bit. Then he plays the same thing the organ is. And then he plays a solo. I love how he kind of like bounced around between those three little sections. I thought it was so cool. And then of course, Rich gets his guitar part after that. It's just a really massive song. I remember listening to Mask for the first time and, th- and that being the song that really kind of blew my head off. Because I love the first two songs on the album, uh, Takes a Woman's Love to Make a Man and Two Cents Worth. But they're a little, they're very poppy in a yeah. way. They're, like, they're, they're, they're the most different sounding songs on the album to me but when Icarus came on I was like okay this is uh this is more in line with what I've heard so far and it's become one of my favorites and the band loved it so much they made a sequel to it yeah right and you can you know that what you're talking about is sort of the delineation between Steve songs and Carrie songs right um and that would go throughout but yeah you're right that this this was clearly a Carrie song right and you know I you know I know Carrie is a you know a uh a very innovative composer, right? And he writes these songs that have these intricate changes and in all these sections, right? But, you know, in my mind, I don't want to confirm this or disprove this, but in my mind, like he would build a framework of a song with the changes and so forth, right? But it, it feels to me like there was always plenty of room for the other guys to add their unique talents, right? So, you know, Phil's drumming, right? I'm sure, you know, Carrie gave him direction or Steve gave him direction or whatever. Right. But, you know, and same for Robbie, like I, in my mind, you know, those leads that Robbie is playing over that, you know, maybe Carrie gave him direction or a feel or, you know, chords to play over, but 
to me, those leads are his, you know? Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah. He kind of talked about that last night, how uh, on the miracles out of nowhere documentary, like he would write, write out the parts for everybody and teach them, teach it to them. Like he, I think he started with like Phil and Dave, and then he moved to Rich and Robbie and then Steve. And that right. was kind of how the song was built out. Yeah. But I, you know, I, when I talked to Ragsdale, maybe it was a later era, but you know, he composes his own parts and stuff. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know, in my mind, I still like to imagine that, uh, you know, every, you know, it's not just the performance, but you know, that everyone contributed their unique things, right. Uh, maybe carrying him direction. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not right. rewrite history, but uh, you know, I don't want, I don't want to know differently if it is differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those weird things. You will always want the fantasy of like all the band members like each other. They all contributed to the songs e- equally and there was no infighting at all. And everybody lives right. in a big house and it's just rock and roll all the time. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And, yeah. I, I, like I like we said earlier, they do seem to get along better than most bands do these days. So that's they, they well, do that going for them. They were always good at not putting that stuff out publicly, right? Like I know some of them had some issues with drugs and you know ego and money and all that stuff, but uh, they don't really like air that. They're not a dirty laundry band, which I think you know endears them to the fans in another in yet another way. Right. Like I was kind of waiting for during the documentary last night, like. Okay, when do we get to Vinyl Confession <laughs> and the fighting starts and Steve leaves the band? And it, it, it stops before we even get to that. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll tell you an interesting fun fact. Um, that first show that I saw, and again, sorry if this is a detour, the Audio Visions yeah. tour, that was after Seeds of Change and Scheme of Dreamers. So, you know, Steve and Carrie both had released their first solo albums. And on that tour, they did one song from Carrie, they did uh, Mask of the Great Deceiver. And one song from Steve, which is I think you got it made, right? So they did do a solo song from each when they reunited for that Audio Visions tour. Fun, right? Yeah, interesting. I'd love to hear Steve sing Mask of the Great Deceiver. Oh, that's cool. There there is a there is a somewhat pro shot video of that tour on YouTube. It's little, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a little rough. I haven't made it through the whole thing yet, but it it is interesting to see. I think they're both on there. I think both those songs are on that particular one yeah i'll have to have to finish that up because yeah i'm i'd be curious to hear that and by by the way kansas fans listening if you haven't checked out schemer dreamer or uh seeds of change check those both out those are great great records yeah yeah so let me we're, we're going on a lot of detours let me give an intro for my second pick there. yeah absolutely so, let's do it from uh, so from 1976 this is this is better than my tape recorder quality hopefully alex um <laughs> this is uh from mask this is icarus born on wings of steel
searching for the rainbows and earth so far below me. I'm here alone and I, I won't come down. So uh, let, let me look at my quick little list of points yet. So we, we've been talking a lot about, you know, what he brought to the band and stuff over the, over the years. Like, what do you think, like, do you think part of what made Kansas, you know, such like so memorable, like, like, let's say for some sake of the argument, they didn't have Robbie and they were more in line with a traditional prog band, like more where the keyboards led, like, yes. Do you think they'd be as remembered as they are now? Or do you think that? Be I mean, little... it's hard. It's hard to say, but I would. I mean, I'd say no, right? My, yeah. of course not, right? It was. Uh, it was a distinct sound, like would Jethro Tull be uh, Jethro Tull without the flute? Let's say, right? Yeah. And you know, not to boil Robbie down to the violin, but that was a thing that stood out. You know, if you watch those Kirshner clips, you know, like the first time anyone saw Kansas, I defy anyone not to have had the reaction of like check that out man that's a rock band with a violin right like that's how was that not everyone's first reaction right so it you know it was it was something to pull people in the first time they heard them or saw them um but you know they also delivered right so it wasn't you know it wasn't fast food it wasn't you know temporary like it had sustenance and nutrients like you could listen to it watch it and like you know there's so many different levels like we're talking about here that you know, you could hook onto and just get nourished by or just straight out like tap your foot or bob your head or rock out to, right? There's, you know, they offered so much, you know. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think the violin would probably would have been, you know, a gateway point for people like, look at that. That's a do with the violin, right? Even if it was dust in the wind and the solo and dust in the wind, right? Um, yeah. Even to minimize, right? To, you know, like if it only that, like, you know, that, like I said at the top, man, there's, 
name another like violin solo in an iconic song like that, right? It's like exactly. It's like the it's maybe the sax solo in Careless Whisper or something like that, or you know the guitar outro on Hotel California or you know, comfortably numb or something like that, or eruption. Like it's that level of, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like that, you know, and, you know, anyone can hum along to it. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I was thinking about, about it. Like, I was like, huh, there's little things in each of these like bands kind of, you know, in this little progosphere we talk about, like they have their little extra th- element that makes the, them, them, you know, you know, Jethro Tull with the, with the flute and the part flamingo frontman, or Rias with the keyboard wizard, or Moody Blues with the more or- orchestral stuff. Yep. Kansas, the secret weapon was their violin player. So I, I agree 100%. And yep. we've been also talking a lot about what everybody else brings to the band. And I don't think we can talk about what everybody brings to the band without talking about my next pick, which is How My Soul Cries Out for You, which is just a massive song from Monolith. I remember the first time I heard this thing and my jaw just dropping because it's got such a strange time signature and it's really fast and the the violin stabs are in there Mm. and Steve and Robbie are singing together and it's very frantic it's a dark song lyrically and they're they're trading off vocals like in like the I don't even know whether to call it a bridge or not but right before that section where the band stops and there's some theater of the mind going on yeah. it is a really <laughs> intense song that I, I i play it over and over again it's just one of my favorites i can't get enough of this song what do you think about this one eric uh i mean as a kid this was you know theater of the mind you know it would have been nine ten when i started hearing this right and that bar fight in the middle with the bottle throwing yep. and like you know the ah, ooh, like that thing like uh what the fuck is this? Like my nine-year-old mind was blown. And even still I listen to it. I'm like, how the hell, where does this come from? Right. This is, this is a Steve song, right. And Steve tended to write on the seedier side of life and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the energy, and then it comes back in with that just insane drum break with Phil. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, this is just a great song and that's a great record. And there's, you know, um, you know, there's just so many parts like it's hard to break out, um, you know, each individual section sometimes because there's so many changes, right? Um, You know, like that section where, you know, the section where the guitar does this and the violin does that, right? You know, they they really, um, they used all the colors on their palette and they used them well and they used them sensibly and there was never you know, everything was pushed to the front, but nothing was overbearing, right? Um, you know, and it just was a it just was a smart mix, you know. And again, to that point, plus the unique sound of that violin, right, and that voice, and the contrast of voices, right? They they would use them they would use them to tell a story, right? And mm-hmm. you know, not, it's not my pick, but you know like a song like No One Together was one I thought about picking, right? Again, it would be, it would be, it would be this purity of Steve's voice. And in that one, it starts with Steve's voice and then it kind of, it comes down to where Robbie sings, right? Rather than the other way around, right? Um, And they, it would add, like they wouldn't just sing these parts just because you sing this and I sing that, right? Um, It would add like an emotional, journey would add to the message right um who sang what uh yeah which no one you know in my mind no one 
no one like that at all in my book. Absolutely. And you hit on something that I was kind of trying to hit on earlier, that emotional, you know, back and forth. I, I, I pulled up the lyrics to the song. The, the part I was referencing was, you know, Robbie sings, I didn't think I needed you when I got out on my own. You know, that part, he's kind of singing it a little lower, a little more monotone. And then Steve mm -hmm. comes in, you know, then I started thinking to myself, like, it's like kind of the afterwards, like, I always, what you say is true. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I always imagine I always imagine the songs like a bad breakup and mm -hmm. it's kind of like when Steve hits that part it's the anxiety of oh shit I fucked up really bad what have I done and and Robbie's part is kind of like the well, I'll show you I'll be fine <laughs> and and the song just kind of you know gets more and more from there like gets more manic yeah manic is a good word yeah yeah absolutely and I love that you called it a bar fight too, because that's always what I thought it was too. I always imagined the character just kind of like, gotta get my shit together. I need a drink and, oh, there's my old girlfriend. And she's with a new guy. Okay, play it cool, play it cool. And beer bottle across the room. Yeah. With And it's perfect too. They set it up where there's that saloon piano playing and everything. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. The, the saloon piano brings you back in for the drum solo. It's yeah, it's very well thought out. I'd love to see the band like they haven't done this since the monolith tour. I'd love to see the band bring this out again. I, I believe Phil could still pull that off on the drums. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a Superman. He can do anything on the drums. Absolutely. Yeah. From, from monolith, the monster epic, how my soul cries out for you.
That's great. You know, uh, on that point about, you know, that song has that ambience in it. Just I'll throw this out there. On Steve Walsh's Glossolalia record, there's a song called Serious Wreckage. I love that song. Um, man, that 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 dude knows how to paint a picture with a song, right? That one, oof, oof. brutal, you know? So, yeah, if you liked How My Soul and you're not, not familiar with that, go check out Serious Wreckage by Steve Walsh. I have a funny Kansas story real real quick. This will be great. I know it's not totally Robbie Steinhardt related, but it relates to that Glossolalia album. Um, my wife is, uh, she's more into pop punk, like Blink-182 and Good Charlotte and stuff like that. And we kind of meet in the middle on stuff like Green Day. But she she doesn't mind the classic rock. Like she, like Kansas is a band she can tolerate because she likes the violin and it mm-hmm. has something interesting to it. So there you go. she comes home one day and I'm, cooking in the kitchen and I've got the Glossolalia album cranked and it's on the song Kansas, which at the end, there's that like angry robot voice yelling thing going on. And she comes upstairs from the entry and she goes, what on earth are you listening to? I'm like, it's Steve Walsh of Kansas. And she goes, what happened to him? Why is he so scary now? That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. I was was like, well, uh, this is his solo record. He's trying a little bit of a Marilyn Manson thing. Yeah. That was that's one of my favorite records ever. I love that record. It's so cool. That that record is a trip. Yeah, check that out. Yeah. So yeah, Rob, back to Robbie starting out. What you got next, Eric? What's your uh, final pick? Uh, well, I can share another fun little origin moment that um, I don't think I ever shared this anywhere. I was I was thinking about it. You know, again, I hadn't actively been listening to Kansas over the last like month or two or something, right? To be completely honest, but you know, since Robbie's passing, like I'm you know, I can't stop listening to it. And obviously I know all these records frontwards and backwards, right? But um, I was thinking about memories specific to him. And I, I think of the band as a continuum, right? And, I, you know, it's, it, I have to stop and think like, oh, he sang lead on that or, oh, he sang a lead on that, right? It's just so, you know, like I said, I see it more of as a continuum. So I had to stop and think about Robbie specifically, right? And um, I do remember a fun memory from my childhood again this is my dad and my brother I have an older brother he's about close to two years older right and we would my grandparents lived about four hours away and we would go on you know go visit them it would take four hours and guess what music we would listen to on that four-hour car ride like almost almost invariably it'd be Kansas maybe some Genesis here and there but you know 80% of it probably was Kansas right Um, and I remember so vividly like no one together was one that we sang, but, you know, in the back seat, be, my parents in the front seats and then me and my brother in the back seat, and we would alternate like you'd be Steve and I'd be Robbie. Right. <laughs> and then you'd be Robbie and I'd be Steve. Right. And I remember, you know, learning the parts that way, singing them with my brother sharing, you know, who would sing lead and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that's probably that's probably part of my journey of like identifying, you know, elements of songs and stuff as a, as a little kid. And I'm probably, I'm less than 10 at that point, you know? Um, but yeah, I remember alternating with my brother, you know, singing Steve versus Robbie, you know, as a kid, which was fun. Um, so good memory, courtesy of Mr. Robbie Steinhardt. Among awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the, the song, my third song is uh shy and anthem. Right. And, you know, this was another thing about Kansas that, you know, it informed, you know, it informed my worldview to some extent, right? So, you know, not to the the, the Christian Christianity extent that was necessarily in there sometimes, <laughs> carry and so forth, right? But, you know, um, I talked about this on an episode with Brad Page at one point, but um, 
you know, a song like this, you know, made me sympathetic to the plight of someone other than me, right? Yeah. Um, it's giant anthem, right? I, I don't know this experience, right? But I can feel these, I can feel this art through their performance, right? And Cheyenne Anthem, you know, Robbie with those lead lines, right? You know, the, the opening vocal, and then, you know, there's this whole middle section that's, that, you know, has like, if you really think about it, it has like these tribal drums followed by a snare march drum. So in my mind, there's like a battle in the middle of this between, you know, indigenous people and the white man trying to, you know, quote, relocate them, right? Yep. And I hear that in there, right? Um, and again, with the voices, and at the end, you know, here we'll stay. Robbie's singing that here. we I'm getting goosebumps just now, just talking about it, right? Um, you know, I remember like, holy shit, th you know, as a kid, this is bigger than I understand at my age. Like you, you knew there was something more to this, but you just weren't there mature enough yet to get it, right? And like, again, even now I think about this song and, you know, I thank them for this being art that, that probably influenced my worldview, right? And I'm grateful for that, you know, and it's, you know, it's all these guys in that band, you know, through time, but, you know, Robbie specifically on the song and the, you know, the, the humanity in his vocal, right? And then at the end of this, and I want to play the live version from that DVD, the voice, voice drum, which is when he came back, I think it's 2002. Yep. Um, because they end on the, the three-part harmony with Steve Walsh, Robbie, and Billy Greer, this high like harmony and the band drops out. And you just hear those three voices. Again, the humanity of it, it's like a cry. And again, I'm getting goosebumps right here, but you know, Cheyenne Anthem, um, just absolutely incredible. You know, I want to go with that live version. What are your thoughts on this song? I love this song. It's very haunting to me. Like, like you, it gives me chills. Like I remember even right when, I first listened to Leftover Turn, it wasn't quite clicking with me. I remember when this song coming around and listening to the lyrics and just going, whoa, like that, it's so well done. Like it doesn't feel forced. It feels very sincere. And yeah, like I, I get a chill at the end every time when, you know, we're, we're, we, I forget the exact lyric, but it's something like, you know, we're in the ground and that's where we'll stay. Yeah. And it, it kind of hits me hard because I grew up in the mid Midwest, like not far from like, Indian reservations and I always remember thinking as a kid why did they have to have those why can't they just like live where we live and then learning yeah. the history and just being disgusted by by what monsters we were we were so they capture yeah. that so well in this song like that that sad sad tale of genocide so yeah. I, it, and, it was in the running for me too man it's a great pick yeah and that point is you know they're they're immovable right um they're defending their life and, you know, live or die. Here's where we'll stay in the ground. Our bodies lay here. We'll stay. Right. You know, so they didn't get moved. They, they got slaughtered. Right. Um, it's fucking brutal. You know, and I listen to it now and I, you know, just as you, you know, it's powerful. It's moving. Definitely yeah. a great, great pick. So you want to give us an uh, intro to the shine anthem? Yeah, so, you know, if you're not a Kansas fan, Robbie sings the intro and then the outro um, and pay attention to that battle sequence in the middle. And then just that the three voices at the end when the band sort of swells up at the end, um, 
just amazing. Uh, this is a live version from 2002, but this can the original version on uh, Left Overture from 76. This is uh, Kansas with Cheyenne Anthem.
freedom we must pay. This has been a lot of fun, Eric. Thank you for coming on and talking about Kansas with me in this little impromptu episode. We're going to do, just again, I'll let everybody know, uh, I've started doing this little side series called Setless Dreams. I just did one with Craig from the Pods and Sauce Network, and it was a blast. Uh, it was a monkeys one, and it ended up being two parts because we talked so much and went on so many tangents. So I'm curious to see. I feel like the Kansas one might be no different just based on the way what we've been talking about today. I know I've been holding back certain things that I want to say <laughs> and get into. So this has just been a lot of fun. It's great to cel celebrate Robbie. That seems like a great guy. And uh, even though I haven't been a Kansas fan as long as you have, I did really feel it when it, it hit on, it hit Monday. Like th this music is, it was a really good escape for me last year. Songs like Backdoor and Hopelessly Human. Mm -hmm. Like like it kind of was a comfort to me. It, it really was. And then, and then to kind of see, see him go, I was hopeful that when I heard about that solo record, like, Oh, maybe I can get him to come on the podcast and, and talk and talk, or like, you know, listen to a solo album and maybe he'll catch a solo show or something. Like I, I'm always happy when, you know, when an artist, you know, even if they're not touring on a grand scale, like, you know, like say the Kansas band does, like, I'm just happy to get a chance to see them and enjoy the show they put on. Yeah. So I, I will say he did um, outside of Kansas so so he he was he remained with kansas when steve left so he was on the vinyl confessions record right so there's there's that tour of omaha and you know he's on that um omaha 82 you'll see that yep. that's shot one with john elefante um but then after kansas he was he had a project called stormbringer steinhardt moon um it was him and i'm forgetting warren, warren moon no that's warren Ham. i'm trying to find, i can't remember moon's first name but it was a project he did. I don't know that they put out a record, but you know, he was semi-active. He lived in Tampa his whole life and he, not his whole life, but you know, pretty early on from Kansas days, he moved to Tampa. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, he would play out there. He would play clubs. If you go to YouTube, there's a lot of like Robbie Steinhardt band clips, mm-hmm. Siren Moon, and they eventually changed their name to Stormbringer, right? So, um, so there's a fair amount of clips of him out there playing, you know, his quote solo shows in the, around the Tampa area. I don't know that he necessarily toured, but you know, I think he he played out you know pretty actively. His wife Cindy is a photographer, so she's got some amazing photos of him. So you can Google her photos. And uh, obviously our hearts go out to her. I mean, the loss we feel is immeasurable to what she's feeling, of course. Um, you know, and, you know, we want to thank her for, for sharing Robbie with us, right? Um, you know, I know, like I said, in recent years, he had some health issues and stuff like that. And, you know, and they were a close couple and, you know, this life gets in the way sometimes. So we, th- you know, thank her as Kansas fans for, you know, uh, sharing him with us and so forth, right? Uh, in her photos and elsewise. And she's the one that posted the news. And, you know, I didn't know that he was working on a solo record. I can't wait to hear it now. You know, I mean, I, I would have bought it day one otherwise, but, you know, a proper Robbie Steinhardt solo album, you know, boy, I want that, you know, I, you know, to remember him by and, you know, can't just can't wait to get my hands on that and hear that and you know use that to remember him even more and you know his vitality and I'm sure he sounds amazing on that and you know there's probably guests and so forth so I can't wait to to hear that and you know thanks to Cindy in advance for for sharing that with us right so um, yeah absolutely Robbie we salute you and before I go into my last pick I also just want to take this opportunity to say if you're a fan of a band or an artist you know regardless of how long they've been around buy the ticket you know you don't know what tomorrow holds if you are uh, i know at this point you know things are a little weird with concerts and stuff but if you're comfortable with it and you're able to buy the ticket go see the band there might not be a next time yeah well said yeah so i wanted to end i always like to end on a hopeful note with things, especially after Shy and Anthem, which is an important song, but I do, it's I kind of glad we're not ending it there. So initially I had a different song here. And then this morning I was listening to Mask and I, I heard a song again and it really, for the first time, something about it struck me and I decided it needed to be my song to close out the show. And that is uh, All the World, uh, which is a rare writing credit goes to Robbie Steinhardt on this song. So it's actually mm-hmm. kind of appropriate. Um, this song is grand and beautiful and gorgeous. The way the violin mixes with the keys on this one. Robbie sings the lead totally on this one for the most part. There's a little bit of Steve here and there, but this is really uh, his baby. It's a very hopeful song. Like it's a simple message. You know, at the end of the day, if we want to make the better the world a better place, we kind of all got to come together. Like there's this lyric in the song I love, the times of selfish reasoning that keeps all apart. The world was meant to share, let them know you care by making someone's life worth living. Like mm-hmm. that, like that is, man, it just hits you hard. It's such a beautiful sentiment. And I don't know what Robbie necessarily contributed to the song, whether it was lyrics or music, but he sings it so heartfelt and so well that it, it I don't know, it just, it made me a little emotional this morning hearing that song. It just hit me in the heart. What do you think of this one? I mean, I, I don't have much to add to that, man. This is, um, you know, I kind of got a tear to my eye just hearing you talk about that and, you know, rereading the lyrics here. You know, I don't I don't know that I have much to add to that. Just go out with those lyrics, you know, incredible yeah. choice to close with. And, you know, 
thank you, Robbie Sihar, for the lifetimes of music and inspiration. And, you know, the least of which is, you know, if you just know him from Dust in the Wind or the violin guy or whatever, like, sit back, you know, close your eyes, turn the lights off and absorb the message, absorb the humanity in his vocal in this song. And, you know, and, you know, raise a toast to Robbie, you know, and thank him for the, all this, all the years of music. Absolutely. And also one last thing I'll say on it, that ending, that haunting Beach Boys-esque harmony at the end is just, I think, the perfect way to end this all. So Eric, thanks again for joining me. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, to the listeners, we'll see you again shortly after this probably late August that Setlist episode will come, come out. It's going to take me some time to edit, but uh, this has been an absolute blast. So listen to the music. Enjoy from Mask. This is all the world.
listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.